Welcome to Luke chapter 8. In this chapter, Jesus teaches and he works miracles. By the way, every teaching of Jesus is a miracle, the miracle that he came into this world and that he could teach us. And in every miracle of Jesus, there is a teaching. There's something he wants us to learn from every miracle that he did. In the beginning of this chapter, Jesus teaches the parable of the seed, the good soil and the rocky soil and the shallow soil and the weed-infested soil. And he teaches about how when God's word lands on good soil, it increases 30, 60, 100-fold. But it can be choked out. It can be choked out by worries. It can be, it can be a shallow faith a faith that really doesn't go to the depths. Jesus says, make sure that there's the good soil of trusting in God. At the end of this chapter, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man, and the people of the region reject him. He heals a synagogue ruler, Jairus' daughter. And we learn from those miracles about how people respond to the power of God in their lives. Today, I want to do something a little different. I want to focus on one particular passage, on a miracle in the middle of this chapter, and the teaching that it has for our lives. On the miracle that happens in verses 22 to 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. A squall came up on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, in every miracle, there is a teaching. And in this miracle of Jesus calming the sea, there is a teaching for you and I about worry. We all struggle with worry. We're human beings. We look to the future, and we worry about what's going to happen in the future. This is a story about worry's causes and worry's cures. If you've heard this teaching recently about worries causes and worries cures, consider this a reminder because I don't know about you, I need reminders. Here is a little boat on a large lake, the Sea of Galilee, with a big storm, and Jesus is asleep. What a great picture of why we get caught up in worry. Worries causes, four causes. The storm, you got the storm, you got the waves, you got the boat, and you got Jesus. Number one, the storm, it's an example of unexpected problems. The unexpected and fierce nature of the storms on this lake of Galilee, it's a natural wind funnel, and this calm lake can suddenly turn into a turbulent and destructive force. Our lives are like that. The storms come on suddenly, and we often, we don't know what direction they're coming from. When's the next disaster going to come? When am I next going to be hit? In January of 1986, I heard a sermon on a boat crossing the lake of Galilee about this very passage of Scripture. And the person talking talked about how storms come up suddenly. God knew that I needed that message. He knew that before I left that trip to Israel, I'd get the news from home that my mom was going to have to have an operation for cancer, cancer we didn't know that she had. He knew that the next month that a flood would hit our home and destroy our home, many of the members of our church's home, and the church we were in. He knew that later that year, my beloved grandmother would go to be with him in heaven. I knew none of those things. Now, I don't say that to scare you to death, like what terrible things could happen next. We all know the ups and downs of life. And although maybe so many things don't happen all at once in our lives, we've all seen that they do sometimes. And if I'm 
placing my faith on the fact that there are no storms, that there's a calm sea. I'm placing my faith in the wrong place. You don't place your faith in the calm sea. You place your faith in Jesus Christ. But they were afraid. They were worried. The unexpected problems of life. It's a good reason to worry. They were worried also because of the overwhelming circumstances of life. They saw the waves. These were fishermen. They knew about boats. These were big waves. They knew they could be swamped. We worry not just about what could possibly be. We worry about what already is. These disciples, they're going through a great picture of what we face. They not only see the storm on the horizon, they see the waves in their boat. You've got waves in your boat. It can be overwhelming. And so it's a good reason to worry if you're going to worry. They also had the boat. The boat is an example of inadequate resources. If they'd been on a cruise ship rather than this little smaller fishing boat, they wouldn't have been worried. When we look at the resources that we have and we're sure that they're not enough to meet the need that's in front of us, that's why we worry. And then there's a fourth reason they worried. Jesus was asleep. Jesus was asleep and they had the feeling because of that, I'm all alone. They look back, Jesus is catching a nap. He's just ministered to thousands of people and they're going to meet many more people. So Jesus sleeps while traveling from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. Can you imagine their eyes on him as this storm is increasing in strength? The worse the storm got, the more sure they were that they were going to have to wake him up at any moment. Shouldn't he be awakened by the storm? And then they begin to have this conversation, I can imagine. You wake him up. I'm not waking him up. The last time I woke him up, he told me to go walk on water. You wake him up. They felt all alone. You felt like that, maybe even this week. The worse that life gets, the more you wonder where God is in all of this. Now, you can live there with worries causes, or you can live in a different place with a different promise. Because in this same story, we have worries cures. How is worry solved in my life? Do three things. Do three things. First, you ask for help. They woke Jesus up and they said, Jesus, we need your help. There came a moment when their fears were so great they had to wake Jesus up. Worriers that remain worriers are reluctant to ask for help. It may be that they're embarrassed to admit their needs. It may be that they think no one cares. It may be that you're convinced that no one else is capable. It may be simply that you're scared, but you won't ask for help. And so you just keep on worrying. Ask God to help you. If there's a worry that's overwhelming you, ask him to help you right now. Ask for help. Number two, increase your faith. Jesus woke up. He, he calmed the storm. And then he said to them, oh, you have little faith. Now, am I telling you that you worry because you don't have enough faith? No, I'm not. Jesus is. Jesus is saying the reason we worry is we have a lack of faith. Now, it's important to remember that the disciples, they had a good reason for worry. This was a real storm that could have really swamped their boat. Jesus's you of little faith statement reminds us that even when there's a good enough reason for worry, worry is always counterproductive. It always steals life from you. Now, the question is, how do you increase your faith when you're faced with so many circumstances that would cause you to worry? And the answer is, the same experiences that are opportunities to worry are also opportunities for faith. Those of you who are great worriers can also be great people of faith. Why? Because you're honest about your circumstances. You don't live in denial. You see what's coming. Some people, they walk through life clueless. That's why they don't worry. They don't even know the storms that are around them, but not you. So you worry about the future or you see it coming. You see what could happen. 
choose to put faith in God at that point. You can be a great person of faith. You ask for help. You increase your faith. And the third thing you do is you acknowledge God's control. What happens in this chapter, in this story, is almost humorous, except that it reminds us so much of ourselves. The disciples are about to die of worry, and Jesus calmly says, wind, be still. Waves, quiet down. And they did. And Jesus goes back to sleep, and the disciples are left with their mouths wide open. Who is this? He even causes the winds to be calmed. They had God in their boat. God commands galaxies with a word. He holds together molecules by his power. There is no situation that can come about in your life over which he does not ultimately have control. Why do we worry? We try to do what only God can do. We try to control the uncontrollable. We try to explain the unexplainable. We try to get the ungettable. We try to stop the unstoppable. We try to do the undoable. We try to bear the unbearable. We try to fix the unfixable. Instead of trusting and the God of the universe. Worry is dealt a fatal blow with these four words. God is in control. Now, those of us that worry can worry even about worrying. So instead of worrying about being a worrier, let's give it to God right now. Let's ask him to do something new in our lives. Our Father, we come to you. We want to trust in you. And the thing that I'm worrying about, I open my hands I recognize that you're in control over even that. And although I may not understand the circumstances, although I may not see the future, I do see your love for me. I do see the promise of your word. I do see that I can trust you. And so I trust you now. I trust you with even this. I acknowledge your control. I ask you to increase my faith. And I ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow in Luke chapter 9, we're going to see that the intensity of Jesus' ministry begins to rise. <laughs>